The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. What does it take to push you to the point where you throw your hands up in the air and you're like, that's it. I've had it. I'm done. I'm done loving. I'm done serving. I'm done giving. I'm not doing anymore. And you know what? Somebody else needs to step up and do their part. Right? I, that, did that just sound like I was getting out my own issues? Um, but every one of us have like something that pushes us to the point where we're like, that's it. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm tired of cleaning or I'm tired of serving you or I'm tired of meeting your needs. I'm tired of giving as much as I possibly can because you know I have nothing left to give. And I don't know what you put in front of like, instead of saying like, that's it. Maybe you're like, forget it or something else more colorful. Um, I, I know for me, so I thought I would share like a safe story. Uh, at least it's as safe as it gets. Uh, so in, in my home uh, with our little guys, right? So our three boys, uh, one of their favorite things to do in the house is all of our living room furniture, like the couches, all the cushions come off. Now, to be fair, we got these couches before we had the boys. So we didn't realize how bad of an idea this was. But what that means is they can pull all the cushions off, pile them up, and then they can do like WWE off the couches onto the pillows, which you, like some of you have boys, you're like, absolutely, you know? Or they throw their brothers on the couches and then they can dive and, and you know, like, okay. But then they don't clean it up. So that's probably a reflection on our poor parenting. But, um, and, and so I come home and almost every day, the pillows, are on a giant pile in the middle of the living room floor. And it drives me crazy. Now, maybe it shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't care, but I do. And then I go in there and I start cleaning it up and I fix this couch and then I'm fixing this couch. And about two thirds, and it happens almost every time, about two thirds of the way through, I'm like, that's it. And I'll take one of the pillows and I'll throw it on the couch. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why am I cleaning up these pillows? And some of you are like, if you were a good parent, you wouldn't, thank you, thank you. That's really nice of you. You probably had girls. Because I get it. I had the girls first. And they, they were amazing. And then these boys, not so much. Um, like, here's the deal, right? So I get it, and I want to throw the pillow. And as I'm thinking that, I'm thinking, I also want to throw one of them. And I go, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. One of you needs to get in here and clean up this mess that you love. Some of you are like, Patrick, you need counseling. Take a big, deep breath. All right, but the point is, I get to this I get to this line where I throw my hands up. I'm like, that's it. I'm not doing it anymore. I've had it. I'm tired of cleaning up after you. And some of you are like, Patrick, you use these stories way too often. All right, because it's safe. All right? The point is, some of us, it's not just cleaning up a mess. Right? You're tired of cleaning up messes in other people's lives. Maybe it's the financial mess that somebody else created. Maybe it's a relationship mess Maybe it's that it, you got, you've gotten pushed to the point where you are so angry that you've checked out on love. You've checked out on trying to care about meeting someone else's needs. You, you've checked out and you're just done. And you know what? Somebody else needs to step up and do their fair share. It's time for them to clean up the messes they made, right? And you're just like, you're, you're done. And so how, what do we, is it, is it sufficient just to check out? Like, how is that working out for us? How's that working out for our families, our communities, when we just throw our hands up there and say, you know, I'm done. I don't care anymore. Or is it possible there is another way, a better way? Is there a way to go all in? 
All right, so I'm in this series, I've been walking you through the first couple of chapters uh, of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a story of the early church written by this guy named Luke, which I've been, I've been sharing with you about throughout this series. But let me kind of re- bring you up to speed for those of you, especially that are guests with us this morning. You're brand new to Lifehouse. Welcome home. So the... The background is this, the book of Acts in the Bible, which is a story of the early church, is written by this guy named Luke, who is a physician and an outsider. He's from a polytheistic, meaning they worship many gods, Greek background, okay? And so he, he's, not a, he's not from a Jewish background, he's not from a Christian background, but he meets Christians and he sees the church and he's attracted to who they are and what they have. He's like, I want what they have. Well, what is it that he wants? What is it that he's attracted to? And as you read through the book of Acts, you're reading that story. You're reading about the picture of the early church and what it was that Luke was drawn into. First, he writes an account of the life and teachings of Jesus. The guy sits down and interviews people who are eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus. He more than likely interviewed Jesus' mother, Mary. That's why in the Gospel of Luke, there's so many stories specifically around Mary and her experience because this guy was investigating Jesus and he became persuaded that Jesus is who he said he was. Then he becomes part of the church. He believes in Jesus, gets involved in the church, and he writes an account of the church. And in it, he captures this story. So let me bring you up this speech so you kind of know what I'm getting at here. When the church starts, it begins as about 120 people. Uh, the There's this outpouring of the Holy Spirit and power. Peter preaches, and about 3,000 people believe in Jesus. The church goes from about 120 to about 3,200 people in one day, and then continues to grow day after day. By this point, when we get to Acts chapter 4, the church is about about 5,000 people in the city of Jerusalem. After Peter preaches boldly, the religious leaders become jealous of Peter and this early church. And so they arrest Peter and John and they put them on trial. And while they're on trial, they threaten them. Peter and John, when they're finally released, they go back to a gathering of believers and they pray. And they don't whine in prayer or complain to God in prayer. This is their prayer. God, you heard their threats. Now grant your servants great boldness to preach your word. Stretch out your hands so that signs and wonders are done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then the very next word, verse says that the place they were meeting was shaken by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they immediately went out and began to proclaim the word of God with greater boldness. And then we read this. All of the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their, so they were unified. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They weren't driven by greed. But they, were shared, but they shared everything they had. They were generous. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were sharing the good news of God's love and the gospel. And God's grace, grace is the riches of God extended to us. So God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Because God was generous to them, they were being generous to others. For from time to time, those who own land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. They were giving to the church to give through the church, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. And so hopefully as I'm reading this, you're kind of saying, wow, this is the fruit of the church. They were, there was unity, there was generosity, there was community, there was sharing, there was, um, 
there was a, a, con- a connectiveness, like I spoke about last week. There was the power of God was visibly at work among them, and they were meeting each other's needs. And whenever you see fruit, you're, you have to ask, what's the root, right? Because the root produces the fruit. And so what is the root of the fruit that you're seeing of unity and generosity? Like, what causes that to come out of you? Well, let's remember back to the one thing Jesus told them to do. So if you remember uh, the great, we call it the greatest commandment or the great commandment. Jesus is asked to summarize all the law. He says, the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. But in John chapter 13, he summarizes even that down to one command. Meaning, if you had to figure out what am I supposed to be doing? As a Christian, what am I supposed to do? Well, I can tell you it's not to throw your hands up in the air and say, I've had it. It's this. Jesus said, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How does anyone know that you believe in Jesus? Because you are, you're loving to others. Not an erotic love, not a, fami- a family type of love, something, some different kind of love. The kind of love that stirs unity, the kind of love that stirs generosity, the kind of love that creates community, the kind of love that is willing to serve others rather than having their own needs served, a selfless kind of love. A love that, a love that produces that fruit. And so what does it mean for us in 2023? I've been doing this series called All In as we set the theme for this year, which is we're invited, every one of us are invited to live an all in kind of life, all in with Jesus. And when you go all in with Jesus, you go all out in love. So I wanna challenge you to go all out in selfless love. Selfless love is the most powerful love. It's the greatest kind of love. A love that gives rather than demanding to be given to. A a love that serves rather than asking others to serve you. A a love that is understanding rather than demanding to be understood. A love that is generous rather than greedy. But let's be honest. You relate vastly more to my opening story of throwing your hands up in the air and saying, that's it, I can't take it anymore, than you do my description of that kind of love. And me too. Why? Because we're broken. And because we're broken, our love is broken. I mean, it, it doesn't quite work right. It, something's off. Now, I just had my car repaired because uh, over the last, I was gonna say month, but it might be like three months. I heard a rattling and I just ignored it. So it started getting worse. And then I started smelling exhaust coming up into my car. And I just ignored that. And then I had this fear that one of these days I'm gonna be driving down the road and I'm gonna fall asleep from carbon monoxide and I'm gonna wreck or something. So I was like, I should really get this taken care of. And so finally I bring it to the shop and they're like, yeah, your manifold and your uh, catalytic converter part is disconnected and fumes are coming up. And I'm like, this is chaos. This is what we do in life. We let the leak go. And our love is broken and it leaks and you hear the rattling, right? You, you see the fruit of it and you're ignoring it, Right? Come on, I am, there's no way I'm the only guy here that just is blowing it off. Because I have this idea like, ah, I just keep going until something falls off, you know? And, uh, and my wife's like, you need to get that in and get it fixed. And finally, I bring it in. Okay, so here's the deal. It's time. It is time for you to get the car into the repair shop. And so this is your moment where we hear the rattling. You're, 
You recognize that your love is limited. You know your love is leaking because it's lacking. Something is not working right and you can hear the sounds all over the place. So what do you do? Well, let's acknowledge what's causing the problem. There is a disconnect in our relationship with God produced by sin. Sin is what caused the breaking. Sin is a separation from God as a result of us disregarding God and his ways. We ignore God and do what we want, driven by this deep inner brokenness, sin. Separates us from relationship with God, causes the rattling, the fumes of our life are spewing into the moment. It's trying to numb us from caring. We ignore it and things get worse and we go through life, things getting worse. Love limited, love leaking, love lacking. And they were headed toward a forever, far away from God in eternal judgment. That's the bad news. The good news is God didn't just come to put us in the repair shop to reconnect the pieces. God comes to radically transform our lives and give us a new life. How? Jesus came from heaven to earth to give his life. One of the great verses in all of the Bible is found in a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, where he writes in Romans chapter five, verse eight, God demonstrated his love. I mean, the fruit of God's love was this that he gave his son in death while we were of no use whatsoever to him. God demonstrated his love for us in this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God had nothing to gain when he gave everything. So Jesus dies for us. Why does he die? His death, the payment for our eternal death sentence. We deserved eternal judgment. Jesus took on our eternal judgment. He died in our place. He absorbed our shame, our guilt, the eternal uh, suffering we face. He brought on himself. And so when he died, he died once for all so that anyone, anyone, that includes you. There's nothing you've done that puts you outside of the powerful reach of God's love. Anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is loved by God and forgiven by God. But Jesus not only died, he rose from the dead and in his resurrection, he conquered death. He freed us from the powerful grip of sin. And he gave us the promise of new and forever life. So anyone, anyone, who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven and given this new and forever life. Look, let me, let me just pause for a moment. If I, if I asked everyone, or if I said, raise your hand if you need some of God's selfless love in you, I would imagine every hand in this room would go up, every single person online, even though we can't see you, you'd be putting your hand up, right? Because we all lack that kind of love and we're like, I need that. But before we do that, maybe you're not even tapped into the source of love. Maybe there's a disconnect between you and God. And today, you need to start new in relationship with God. That happens through faith in Jesus. Acknowledging, I believe in Jesus by faith that he died for me, he rose from the dead, and I want him to forgive me of my sins and give me that new life. If you're ready to make that commitment, you are stepping over the line of faith. And we wanna know. We wanna celebrate with you. So if you could, scan this QR code. Again, that's those of you in the room, those of you joining us online, scan this QR code. Let, let us know, one of our pastors will follow up with you because we wanna encourage you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God where you are receiving God's strong and selfless love. Now, if you've been around Lifehouse at all, you've probably heard this said, what fills? Really? Oh, come on. What fills? Fill. 
Thank you. Let's do it one more time. What fills? Spills. All right. What fills? Spills. Now, that's true, right? So if there's anger in you, anger's coming out. If there's hurt in you, hurt's coming out. Hurting people hurt people. Okay, so love people, love people. When you receive the selfless love of God, you can't hoard it. You can't hide it. Selfless love spills. And so a key here is when we receive the selfless love of God, it begins to leak out of us. Let me, let me pause. Because I want to make sure that before I go into the, the key ideas that I'm walking you through today, I give, I give a, a heart level challenge to you. Because I know for me, this is something that radically changed how I lived my life. For me personally, I had kind of a two-conversion journey. My first conversion was when I believed in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And a second point was when I made it real and active in my life, when I realized that my life had purpose. Because I came to a place when I went, wait, if there is a God and I believe in God, that means he's creator. And if he created everything, then everything exists by design. And if God created it and we exist by design, then it has a purpose. And if it has a purpose, then I have a purpose. Am I living my purpose? My purpose is to follow the way of Jesus. Jesus gave his life. And yet I'm holding everything back. I'm looking out for me. I'm serving my desires. I'm looking out for my agenda. What? If I'm gonna live the purposes of God, then I've gotta be willing to go all in for Jesus, which means I'm going, I gotta go all out in love. And, and I just radically be in a shape how I thought and how I live where I'm like, I'm gonna give God everything. And so can I just give you a challenge? Maybe at some point, maybe even right now, you just take that step and go, you know what? I know that I'm not asked to do what Jesus did, which is to give his life in sacrificial death for us, right? But if Jesus was willing to do all of that for me, I'm not gonna hold anything back from him. And maybe today, you just make a commitment to say, I'm gonna go all out in love for God. I'll give God everything. One of the things you notice in this passage is a group of people who said, I'm gonna go all in with Jesus. And because I went all in with Jesus, I'm going all out in love. All out love gives extravagantly. Isn't that what we just read? I mean, you can't miss it. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They shared everything they had. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. From time to time, they sold houses or lands that met each other's needs. Like you read it and you're like, these people, because of the all out love at work in them, they were, God was generous through them. Here's the deal. You have a generous God. And God expresses his generosity to you, that's true, through the gospel of Jesus Christ and through his ongoing grace at work in your life. When you have the capacity to forgive, that's grace. When you have the capacity to experience peace, that's grace. When you have joy, when everyone else is in turmoil, grace, every aspect of our life reveals the grace of God. And God's grace in you shows through his generosity through you. What fills, spills. So God's grace in you becomes generosity through you and you can't help it if it's really in you. And so when God is generous through you, it shows this all out love gives extravagantly. Love gives and gives and gives and gives. And when it hurts, it gives more. Love is expensive. Not just when you're dating and not just romantic love, 
right? Love is expensive. It's costly. And the most expensive thing love costs you is you, right? It requires you because you got to give of yourself. So we're not just talking about money here, right? But, but let's not leave money out of it because you can't love and be and love causing you to give and give and give, and yet you're hoarding over here. No, love will require you to give every part of you, time, emotionally, mentally, financially, right? It'll cost every part of you. And so when you look at the way of Jesus and this early church, Luke is looking in, he's like, man, these people are generous. Like, they're willing to sell their land to meet the needs of others around them. I mean, who does that? Christians do. Because they're not trying to hoard in this life. Because their love isn't limited. It's not lacking and it's not leaking. They haven't thrown their hands up in the air and said, well, it's time for somebody else to step up and meet the needs. Now I'm willing to do whatever I can because my love is generous. And that generosity will express itself even financially. But I don't want you to just look at it and say, well, because I'm giving financially, I'm loving extravagantly. I'm giving extravagantly. There's places in your life where you may have thrown your hands up in the air and say, enough's enough. And God wants to work on that area. Where, are, where is it time for you to step up and step out and recognize, I gotta go all out in love this year. This isn't something you try to muster. Meaning, you're not trying to, you're not trying to put it on. You don't have to fake it. Just let God's love in you spill out of you. He's generous towards you. Let that generosity come out of you. And then let's, let's go a little bit further here. I'm gonna give you a little bit more of the story. So I read that passage. The very next verse tells, tells about this guy named Barnabas who applies that same love. He sells his land and he gives it to the church so they can meet needs. What an incredible example. His name was Barnabas. Well, there were two, there was a couple watching this happen. And they're like, wow, that was really special. That's pretty cool. We're gonna do that. Now, here's a side note that you don't really see in the story. If you did things like that, if you sold everything you had and you gave it to the church, then you can also benefit from like the community pot of money like because you gave everything. So now a guy like Barnabas could also leverage the resources to keep himself alive. And so Ananias and Sapphira are like, hey, if we sell our land, we can both tap into the community fund and they keep some of the money back. But they'd say that they gave everything so that they can tap into the community fund. And so Ananias and Sapphira separately go to the apostle Peter and they say, hey, here's the money. And he goes, is this everything you got from the sale of the property? Oh, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't. And they lied. And Peter said to them, you're not lying to us. You're lying to the Holy Spirit. And then they dropped dead. So if you're lying, about your giving. No, I'm just totally kidding. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that there and I'm gonna drink some coffee. My first real coffee since we started this fasting and prayer season. So if I seem a little hyper, now you know what's going on. Um, so here, here's what happens, right? Like they dropped dead. And I just thought that was funny. Uh, not that they dropped dead, but that I just paused and talked about giving. Um, but here's the deal. Like it's a crazy moment. Like it's a little weird. In fact, even the people in the community, they thought that was a little weird. And it says that great fear came over the community and people didn't want to go to church anymore. You think? Now I can tell you, having served full time in ministry for over 23 years, I, I've never seen that happen. 
I, I hope, I don't want to see it happen, but it is, a, it is a strange lesson. Now, here's what happened though. People still, some people still continue to, go, to gather and more people came to the church because they were still attracted to what was amazing about the church, which is this living love of Jesus expressed through radical generosity and even more. Even after Ananias and Sapphira die, the leaders of the church and Christians were going out into the community and amazing things were happening. In fact, it's described in Acts chapter five, verse 15, this way. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits and all of them were healed. Like people knew where to go to get help. They knew that the church had the answers. They knew that the church was getting involved in addictions and brokenness and homelessness. They knew that the church was actively involved where people were sick and dying and haunted by demons. Like these are not people who are believing in Jesus. They were just coming out of this. They were coming out from all around the city going, help us. And the people were coming into the church and getting help. And the church was going out into the community, helping the world around them. And so that's got to give us a challenge, right? All out love doesn't just give extravagantly. All out love gets involved in the messy around them. All out love gets involved in the messy, right? When you love your kids, you get involved in some messy stuff, right? You love your family, you get involved in the messy. You love, your, you love your friends, you get involved in some messy stuff. When we as a church love well, go all out in love, we get involved in the messiness, which means love propelled Jesus to the cross. Jesus got so involved in the messy that he took it on himself and was nailed to a cruel Roman cross because he bore the weight of our eternal judgment. I mean, you can't get any more messy than carrying the weight of eternity to your death. We're not asked to do that, but we are invited to love the way Jesus loved, which is to get involved in the messy around us. And so that kind of love pushes us outside of our comfort zone, beyond what is safe, beyond what is comfortable, to, to serve and to love to give, to meet needs, to reach out to the stranger. Unless you're a child here, you don't do that. Don't talk to the strangers. But if you're an adult Christian, you should be reaching out to the stranger and to the hurting and to people who, quite frankly, make you uncomfortable. That's right. I realize that because of all of our different backgrounds, there are certain kinds of people that kind of um, it hits you the wrong way. You feel uncomfortable around them, good. Those are the very people you're probably called to serve. That's people that you're comfortable with. It doesn't require love. But all out love serves the people you're uncomfortable around. Because you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about them and how God loves them. And so my challenge to you is, what would it look like for you to get involved by loving in an all out way in the messiness of other people's lives. Individually, in the spheres of influence that God has put you in. Now, what would that look like for us to do that as a church? Meaning, you're part of the church. So what would that look like for you? Well, let me, let me challenge you. You're invited to go all out in love, to give extravagantly, and to get involved in the messy. But when you do that, 
we do that. And so let me shift and go, what would it look like for the world around you, for our community to know that Christians are the kind of people that love loudly, that they're the loudest thing that they ever say is the love that they give and the love that they live. Now for Lifehouse as a community, why do, why do we even exist? Well, let me, let me give this to you this way. I'm gonna kind of break this down for you briefly. Um, we, we exist because we want anyone and everyone, that's you and that's the people around you, that's our community, to know God, find family, and make a difference. Have you heard me say that before? Know God, find family, make a difference. To know God. We want anyone and everyone to believe in Jesus by faith and then gather to worship God. That's what we're doing here and online, right? To know God, to find family. We recognize that every single person wants to be needed and known. Find family, you can belong and be part the way you belong. The way you're known is you get connected to a life group. I talked about that last weekend. And the way you be part, you become part, is by getting involved in a life group, getting, I mean, getting involved in serving on a dream team, right? Where you could be part, where you could be needed. And so that's how you build, you find family. And the third thing is to make a difference, to get involved in the messy. How? By giving and by going. You, gotta, you give extravagantly and you go out and you get involved in the, in the stuff around you. Part of going is sharing and showing God's love with people far from God, right? And so that's why we do what we do and that personally involves every one of us. What is it about Lifehouse? What are we about? Well, here it is. We wanna be a church, unchurched people love to attend. We are for people who are far from God. And so we wanna create an atmosphere that unchurched people wanna come in and be like, I wanna be part of this, right? We're a church, Unchurched people want to attend. But it's not just for unchurched people. It's for you, right? We wanna be a church that is for the church. We wanna be a best friend to the local church. So our church exists to be a champion for the church. We wanna be a best friend to the local church in Hagerstown, in Frederick, in Chambersburg, and we're for our city. We want, we're a church that is not just about huddling up in here about getting out and changing the world around us, getting involved in the messiness, which means we don't put barriers around ourselves to keep ourselves safe. We wanna get out and get uncomfortable in the unsafe places of the world we live in, in Hagerstown, in Chambersburg, in Frederick, and in the surrounding communities. And we're a church that multiplies. Multiplying means that we wanna see our church grow and reach new people in new ways. We wanna see life groups start new life groups. We wanna see leaders train new leaders. We wanna, as a service, as a church service grows, we wanna start another church service. As a campus grows, we start new campuses. As the church grows, we start new churches, right? That's why we exist, because we're a church that is for multiplying. And one of the ways that we do that is through kingdom builders. And so we're gonna put uh, a QR code up on the screen. If you could, if you want to, while I'm talking, you could scan that QR code. And in just a moment, I'm gonna ask all of you to do that, but let me give you a quick why we do this. So today, we, this weekend, we sit apart as a kingdom builders commitment weekend. Here's what I invite you to do. Would you prayerfully consider how you can partner with us in giving to kingdom builders? Here's why. When you give your tithes and offerings, you are giving to what God is doing right within LifeHouse. We say life change happens here. And when you give your tithe and your offering, you're making this possible. The only way we're able to do what we do is through your generosity through tithes and offerings. When you give above your tithes, that's called kingdom builders. And we want, excuse me, we want everyone to participate. 
If you go to lifehousekb.com, you'll see the project manual there, and you can look at all the different ways that Kingdom Builders is impacting the world around us. In fact, we have three different categories. We have the global piece that includes missions, projects, that includes um, relief efforts around the world, that includes partnerships with organizations that are doing those efforts, and global church planting. In places that if you knew we were starting churches, your jaw would drop. I promise you. We are partnering with organizations and church planners that are starting churches in some of the most unreached places on the planet and some of the most dangerous places on the planet. Places that you hear about on the news, but we can't tell you because the people that are doing the work are doing it under great threat. Okay, that's global. Local is our effort to plant churches all across the nation and our local efforts in for our city, okay? The third part is our next generation effort, which is investing into the next generation of our kids and raising up the next generation of Christian leaders, pastors and leaders. So uh, this year, we, we're gonna continue to invest through Kingdom Builders into our uh, Frederick campus, because that, that's brand new and that's just getting, so it requires greater investment. We also are investing significantly into church planting. In fact, in Frederick, Reset Church, uh, which it took a little longer to get off the ground and get going, so they're gonna be launching here in a few months. Uh, we're putting a pretty significant investment into them, uh, continuing to invest in training church planners. We're gonna continue to develop uh, or put, put resource into Teen Challenge locally, into uh, the Dream Center that we're trying to get off the ground and seeing our four city efforts that we've been working out for many years in Hagerstown multiplied in Chambersburg and in Frederick. Cool? I know that was a lot really fast, but I wanna give you at least a glimpse to let you know your generosity is changing lives. That's really what I wanted to get at. And so can I invite you real quick, would all of you just pull out your smartphones if you have a smartphone? Friends, I don't think I did that well. You did it, thank you. Just real quick, just pull out your smartphone. You can all do this. Scan that QR code. At the very least, just scan it. All right, never mind. I'm kidding. Okay, you're doing it. Good, so I see. Okay, scan it, pull out that form. I know that some of you, you're gonna to need to take a moment to pray. Some of you, you're gonna to need to talk with your spouse. When you talk to your spouse, that's good because that means you'll add an extra zero. Um, look, this is just a faith step. You're saying, God, if you, as you provide, I wanna give generously to kingdom builders because I know all the amazing ways that my giving is changing lives. Would you make a commitment prayerfully? And I just wanna take a moment and pray over you as you're making that commitment because I know it's gonna take a step of faith. Jesus, Thank you. Thank you that you didn't hold back. Thank you that there was no line where you threw your hands up in the air and you said, that's it. You loved us extravagantly and so you gave to us and you got involved in our mess. And God, we just wanna live out that kind of love. And so Lord, as we're living it out, help us to live it out by giving extravagantly, getting involved in the messy. God, I pray that as people are taking this step of faith, as together we take a step of faith in generosity, would you meet every need? God, I pray that across Lifehouse, we would have people experiencing the miracle of your generosity and how you are providing for them in supernatural and miraculous ways. And that as they give, they would see your faithfulness, your provision in their life. And that you are not giving more so that we can have more. You are giving us more so that we can give more. God, we're looking forward to celebrating all of the amazing stories of lives changed in Lifehouse, through Lifehouse, and through our Kingdom Builders' generosity. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. 
So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.